Let's take a trip down memory lane, shall we? Go at your own risk, though, because anyone who has been watching Michigan State football for a while knows what that means. Playing some wild football games. Yes, there's rarely been a dull moment when you cheer for or cover the green and white, but what are the best games in our lifetimes? We will discuss that and the latest news on episode 80 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Thanks for listening, Spartan Nation. I'm Brandon Champion, joined by Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on June 8th, 2022. And Matt, the calendar is flipped uh, to the summer months here. You know, probably a little too soon to be getting excited about college football, but uh, I guess we can at least start thinking about it. How's it going? Yeah, I got a little bit of a glimpse of it last week. Uh, was at the Ferris State camp. Uh, Mel wasn't there, but almost his whole staff was. So talked to some of those guys, and uh, yeah, saw some prospects, um, including one who is just committed to the Spartans. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to that just in a sec here. Uh, Kyle, how's it going? You know, I know you're in your peak golf season. I haven't seen any, seen any James Piot, uh stories lately, but, uh, you know, do you have any plans of joining the uh, Saudi League? Because it seems like that's what everyone else is doing. Uh, no, I will not be taking the Saudi blood money, but I do have my golf trip coming up soon, which will include a trip to Iron Mountain, Michigan um as part of it right. so gonna go check out the old uh time is your hometown maybe get my shoes fixed up if i need to there at the shoe at the iso shoe hospital so uh should be a good trip are you gonna consult tom for some recommendations on the sites to see while you're in uh iron Mountain? i should i should reach out see if he's got uh, i'm sure he got some italian relatives there that uh, can cook up some good food <laughs> absolutely i'd take advantage yeah uh but yeah appreciate everyone for listening today as i said we're going to do a draft of the best games in our lifetimes for michigan state football coming up in a bit um before we do that we're going to look at the present before we look at the past but appreciate everyone for listening if you could like rate and review the podcast it'd be appreciated check out our work at mlive.com spartans hit us up on twitter with questions comments concerns you know the deal. You know how to get a hold of us. We've done 80 of these now, guys. Can you believe it? A confidential podcast. It's been a glorious road, hasn't it? <laughs> I can't believe it's 80, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone fast, honestly. Uh, but yeah, 80, that, that number caught me off guard. But let's get to the news, guys. We've got a lot to get to today. Uh, Matt, you just mentioned it. Michigan State has picked up a couple of commitments here since they, they've got a busy June, a lot of high-profile recruits on campus. Um, Demetrius Bell, the latest uh, and, and four-star athlete from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Gross. Do you know what's in Murfreesboro, Kyle? Uh, Murfreesboro is um, – remind me, that's um... – Middle yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, Middle Tennessee Bell. State. That's it. Yeah. Tip, my, tip my tongue. Yeah. Ooh, gross. I never wanted to hear that name again. But uh, he, that's on the heels of a cornerback four-star from Denton, Texas, Chance Rucker committing. So, Matt, we knew it was going to be a busy month for the Spartans, but we're starting to see the fruits of their labor here early in the month. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, obviously a huge month for them. Um, you know, the it becomes it goes from evaluation period to quiet period on June one and and you know before the dead period hits later again uh, this month Michigan State stacking up a ton of official visits and in some unofficials as well but uh, I mean they're they're definitely swinging uh, for the fences with this one I mean you talk last weekend was the the first visit weekend and you know you have three five star defensive linemen. On campus, I, I don't know that that's ever happened at Michigan State. Maybe Duffy back in the '60s or something. Um, yeah, I and mean, they're just bringing in a bunch of talent. Now, will that pay off? You know, are you, you are you going to get some of these guys? We'll see. But we've already, like you mentioned, we've already seen two of them, um, and in Rucker and Bell. And this is, 
you know, this is what they did last summer. You know, after the 15 months almost of the dead period, and they Mel could finally have his first official visitors. They they did the same thing in June. They brought a bunch of guys on campus, and they got commitments out of I believe every weekend that they had visitors. So that's what they're trying to do again this time. And uh, I know it's still really early, um, and these guys aren't signed or anything. It's just you know there were but eight commits, five of them are four stars, um, and that puts Michigan State again. It's early, but 14th in the nation. Uh, as a class, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. So, I mean, you, you knew, you assumed and thought that Mel Tucker would improve the recruiting from what it was uh, in, the, in the final years before he got there, and he's starting to show that. Yeah, and, and Bell's, uh, the two four seven Composite has him as the 330 best 33rd best player in the country. Uh, he actually just recently got that four-star status right before the commit. They have him listed as an athlete, 6'1", 175, and then Rucker. Uh, good name if you're a Michigan State fan. You'll uh, you'll know the, the Rucker name. They've had some success there, but he's ranked as a 348th best player uh, as a cornerback, 6'1", 180 on him. So, uh, yeah, Michigan State, a lot of uh, players coming in throughout the month. And, yeah, 247 just updated their overall ranks. They've jumped up to 14. Obviously, really early. I think Northwestern is still in the top five just based off the fact that they have, like, 15 three-stars or something like that. So uh, the ratings can be a little skewed early on here, as we know. But yeah, exciting yeah. times if you're a Michigan State fan. Yeah, I mean, the numbers favor the com- number of commitments right now. So, like, you know, Texas Tech is second in the nation right now with – because they got 20, 20 guys and 15 are, are three stars. And, you know, so, but, you know, that's just the way it works. It'll sort itself out in the end. But either way, Michigan State's uh, moving in the right direction for them. Yeah, and we'll continue to track recruits and throughout the month. Uh, we also got some basketball news, though, Kyle. Uh, long-awaited news if you're Michigan State. Thomas Kelly hired uh, to the coaching staff to, to fill the vacancy left by Dwayne Stevens when he went to Western. And it turns out a Western guy comes back the other way. But a guy before that, so unsurprisingly, Tom Izzo staying in the family. Yeah, yeah, shocking um, that he would. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know some people are, you know, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say disappointed, but people were looking for some flashy name, you know, some. Um, and Tom had kind of said, you know, we're going to go someone younger who's really into NIL. Um, and Thomas Kelly is, I guess, younger than anybody else on his staff, but you know, he played in the '90s, so he's not exactly, you know, in his 20s anymore. Um, but you know, he's a guy that obviously they're very comfortable with that knows the culture of Michigan State, that knows the system. Um, has a couple of years as a Mac assistant under his belt. He's been there as a GA. Um, so you know, it, I mean, I think Tom is his number one thing is somebody he's comfortable with. Um, and, and that's what it is. Uh, you know, I don't blame you if uh, this is not what you were expecting. Um, but you know, this is this is how Tom Mitchell likes to to uh to fill his his staff out uh, by now. So I don't think I don't think anybody should be too shocked that uh, this is where it ended up. Yeah, I mean, not a not a flashy hire. I don't think you could say, but I mean, you really shouldn't be that surprised, people. What did right. you think he was going to do? Like, uh, you know, just it's a it's an assistant job. I expected him to look young-ish, which he is. He's going to be the youngest coach on the staff, and. You know, maybe because of his experiences playing at Michigan State, he can relate to some of the young guys or the guys in the program. Uh, Have we gotten a sense? uh, I know you haven't really gotten to talk to him yet, but have we gotten a sense of what kind of responsibilities he's going to have? Or are we going to have to wait for that? No, I I mean, I guess they're sorting that out because, I mean, you lose DJ, who was, you know, the the primary big man coach. um, And you bring in Thomas Kelly, who's obviously um, not a big man. He got asked the other day on the radio about that. He said, yeah, we're going to figure that out. I think Wojcik's going to coach the big men. So, um, you know, that'll be new. Um, that'll all get sorted out. But yeah, I mean, well, once they get closer to going, I mean, DJ, DJ managed all the subs, uh, you know, he did a bunch of stuff. So I'll be curious to see how everything kind of shakes out. 
Absolutely. Thomas Kelly joining Mark Montgomery and Doug Wojcik on the staff. Those will be the three assistants for the upcoming season, uh, which, you know, obviously recruiting stuff happening on the Michigan State front, too. No commits yet to join Jeremy Fears in the 2023 class, but definitely more offers out there and some noise on some notable guys. We'll definitely keep an eye on that and get to that if they do when and if they commit to Michigan State. But guys, let's get to the, the main attraction here. Obviously, it's June. Not a lot to, to go on news-wise, not a lot of breaking stuff or topics, unless we really want to get into NIL and all that boring off-the-field stuff. We kind of did that last pod. So we thought we'd try something new here. Uh, we've been kicking around some ideas for evergreen topics that we can just throw out there and, and really use whenever we wanted. And we thought it would be fun to do a sort of draft based on um, a certain topic at Michigan State. This week, or this time, we're going to do best games uh, for the football season. Since football's coming up, the best games in our lifetimes for Michigan State. So uh, without giving away anyone's ages, that's going to be like roughly 1985 for us, right? Like somewhere in there, uh, 80, you know, somewhere in there. So uh, that's also uh, like a good separator, though, for the program, because, yeah. I mean, and, and people who know Michigan State history know 70s was pretty much the doldrums and early 80s, right. pretty much doldrums. So, so nothing was going to come out of there anyway. And, and, and I think it's hard personally to compare like 50s, 60s stuff with now. Like it's it's the right. same game, but it's very much changed. It's kind of an apples and oranges thing. So I think this makes sense. And yes, we, we were alive for it. I, I'm not sure I have <laughs> yeah. much to add about the game of the century. We'd have to get George Blaha on here or something for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's pretty hard to be like, yeah, obviously the game <laughs> of the century would be in our rankings if we were doing all time, but uh, none of us were there to witness that guys. So it's hard for us to provide context. So I guess we're cutting it off at, at games that we've seen in person or at least we were alive for or on uh, and YouTube. Yeah, or on YouTube. We've seen the highlights on YouTube. Uh, but, you know, that's a pretty good cutoff point because there's been plenty of options uh, in the last four decades or so to choose from from Michigan State. So the way we're going to do this, I drew randomly. We're going to go five rounds, just kind of run them down in snake order. I did a random drawing. Matt is going to have the first pick. I'll be in the middle and Kyle will be at the turn. So, Kyle, that means you'll get two picks in a row. Matt, you'll have two picks in a row after the first round, et cetera. I'm sure you guys have done a snake draft before. I don't know if you're big fantasy guys, but uh, that's kind of the typical way to do it. Um, so, yeah, it'll be fun. We'll just kind of talk about it. Each of us can kind of chime in, share our memories of the game, why we picked it and whatnot. So uh, with that being said, Matt, you're on the clock. What is the number one overall pick of the best game, best football game in Michigan State's history in our lifetime? Well, I am going to actually pass on the Red Box Bowl, like I said I would yesterday. But, uh, oh. More more punts than points. Uh, that was, wow, what a day. That, um, that will not be making an appearance. I have no, a feeling the Red Box Bowl. No. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways, obviously, to go with this. And I don't know. I think this is a – I wouldn't say unconventional, but maybe not the first game that pops into mind for some people. But I, I think 2015 Michigan State's win at Ohio State was just – I mean, like you go in there and you're already two touchdown underdogs and then you don't have the big 10 quarterback of the year. This Ohio state team had what, like there's like a dozen future first round NFL draft picks on there. And it's like the, the, the quintessential Mark D'Antonio, nobody believes in us and you go in there and just stick it in their eye and you find a way to win. And, and I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, the amount of talent that this team had and, and Michigan state just had the confidence they could do it. And I mean, and remember like they, Ohio state's two touchdowns came on fumbles by Michigan state in their own territory. So, and defensively, you know, they shut down Ezekiel Elliott, who after the game was not pleased, <laughs> called out urban and the play calling and said, this is his last home game ever. Um, and that obviously gave them the opportunity to, to 
get to another game that should be on both, uh, on everybody's list and, and get in the playoff where they end up getting smoked. But um, yeah, that, I think that was just quite a game. And, and you know, to plug it, uh, I talked to some of those guys back in the uh, in November, um, kind of remembering that game um, before Michigan State played at Ohio State, and what was kind of a similar situation, and um, didn't go so well for them, obviously. But uh, that's my that's my number one pick. On the improbable scale, that's certainly number one. I mean, yeah. I remember well, when we found out Connor Cook was out of the game. I'm like, they've got no shot. And somehow Tyler O'Connor and uh, Damian Terry lead Michigan State. I think it helps that it was kind of sleeting sideways. That definitely helped Michigan State in that game. Uh, Ohio State certainly wasn't allowed to spread it out like they they probably normally would. But obviously the enduring image is Michael Geiger doing the windmill down the, side, down the field. Uh, one of Michigan State fans' favorite to this day. So Yeah, I... Uh... Uh, great game wasn't in my top five just because the game was kind of a dog before the end of it you know um but you know your pick um yeah i I didn't have it in my top five either but it's on my list so i mean it's certainly Mm -hmm. unexpected in a wild game that lives in michigan state fans memory especially because they haven't really been able to compete with ohio state lately so reminiscing of the days when it when they could and maybe that's changing but matt Matt uh, loves low scoring and defense and running the ball so (laughs) it keeps the clock moving baby let's go (laughs) exactly (laughs) Get out of there. Um, well, I, I expected one of two games to go with Matt's picks. So now I've got to make a decision, and I think cool. I'm going to go a little bit outside the box here, too. I'm going to leave probably what is the most uh, iconic play uh, to someone else, and I'm going to go with the 2014 Rose Bowl uh, because it, maybe it's a little bit of a, of a uh, you know, it's a little bit of bias on my part because I was at this game um, and it was just the iconic setting, Michigan state Stanford in the 100th Rose bowl, that Michigan state team had just beat Ohio state in the big 10 championship. They were one of the best in the country. This is a year before the playoffs started. I will die on that Hill that Michigan state could have had a shot against that Jameis Winston, Florida state team or the Auburn team that they played in the championship. Uh, but they obviously didn't get a chance, but um, just that game, the Kyler Ellsworth stop with the Max Bulla narrative coming in. Um, and just sort of how they rallied in that game. And you've got fullbacks making iconic plays and uh, just the setting at the granddaddy of them all, um, you know, obviously not winning a national championship or anything, but winning your first Rose bowl since 1988 was a huge moment. And at the height of the D'Antonio era, I'm going to go with their Rose bowl win against Stanford. Well, you guys left my number one game on the board. So not a, um, for the third pick, not expecting. So easy pick for me, uh, 2015 trouble with the snap. Um, everybody knows, um, most, I mean, I, I think most shocking moment as far as like individual moment, um, it's gotta be number one, I think in program history, that play, um, you know, I, I love the fact that it was made to by Jalen Watts Jackson, who nobody knew of, no one had ever heard of before. Um, kind of gets this instant folk hero status is probably still getting beers for him bought in East Lansing, um, and throughout Michigan. Um, and, and then, you know, bigger picture. I mean, they, they, they win that game that helps them go on to win the big 10 and, and go to the college football playoff that year. So, um, it wasn't just some one-off. I mean, that was part of a, of a historic season. So, um, I will take that, um, without much thinking about it. And we haven't even, we haven't heard from Jalen Watts Jackson since he retired Mm -hmm. shortly after obviously dislocated his hip. Right. Yeah. That had something to do with it. My favorite thing is if you watch the broadcast of that game, like ESPN has like Florida LSU or something coming up next and they've got the score up in the corner and they're showing the credits, like the producing credits of the game. (laughs) And then the, and then the trouble with the snap happened. Like the game was over. It was done. 
and then the miraculous play happens. It was just I, wild. And, and from being there, I mean, it, it's like one of the like hardest things to like, you have to like wrap your head around that and like try to like write it um, as it's happening. And, and Michigan, Matt, as you know, is, is kind of a trek to get downstairs into where you need to go afterwards. <laughs> Um, so you're trying to like, I'm looking up there, be like, is, is he hurt? Like, is he getting up? What's going on? Oh, I don't have time. I got to get down. And you're like, you're trying to figure everything out and, um, trying to like capture that. And yeah, one of the, uh, one of the best and, you know, scenes I've ever been a part of. So, uh, probably why it made, made me and my three pick. I actually I caught up with, with uh, <laughs> I actually caught up with Jalen, uh, what is it? 2008 when he, he was going to transfer and then he decided just to, to be done playing college football. He was going to go into the air force. If I remember right. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 and I caught up with him. He actually works uh, with a friend of mine and we were at a Christmas party uh, a couple of years ago and caught up with him. I don't, I don't think the air, I think his physical was a problem with the air force given his hip uh, situation yeah. and other injuries, but um, nice dude. And again, we'll always have that, that memory and, you know, he'll get spotted a, uh, by Michigan State fans forever. <laughs> Go ahead, Kyle. All right. Uh, so snake draft, I get number four pick two. Um, trying to not be like a prisoner of recent history, you know, in D'Antonio, because we are going, you know, 85 to present. Um, so I'm going to take us back to 1990. Um, Michigan State goes to Ann Arbor, um, beats number <laughs> one Michigan in the big house. Um you know, one of the most shocking upsets, I think, in rivalry history and in program history, you know, when you go on the road and beat a number one Michigan. But then, you know, you put it in the bigger picture, too. I mean, Michigan State was one, two and one uh, when that happened, certainly not looking like much and uh, went on to share the Big Ten title that year. So it was it was, you know, a shocking upset in itself. It led to something later in the road um, and an exciting game. You know, uh, Michigan comes back um, and missed the two point conversion with six seconds left. So um, exciting game, historic upset. You know, Michigan State went on and did something with it. So um, going back, turning back the clock, 1990, that gets number four on my list. I like it. I like getting the 1990s in there. I don't have a huge, I was two years old at that time. So I don't have a huge memory of that game other than YouTube uh, highlights. But I mean, obviously a worthy pick, shocking. I have, I have something similar on my list too. There's so many ways you can go here, guys. I'm I'm trying to, to figure it out, like trying to weigh craziness in the regular season against, you know, games where they actually win something. I think that's kind of the struggle here. Um you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take, I'm going to take, uh, just, I, I feel like part of this is I'm going with my personal bias because I was like at these games and I just remember things, but you know, it was just a regular season game at Spartan stadium, but the hail Mary Kurt cousins, the Kurt to Keith nickel, I, I'm going to take it because I, the game was wild. It was, it was a primetime game, Michigan state, Wisconsin, both heavily involved in the big 10 title chase, both with veteran quarterbacks. Uh, obviously, we saw the rematch in the Big Ten Championship, the inaugural Big Ten Championship that year. Um, but just the way that, you know, it was reviewed. These are kind of early-ish review days. And just the mem memory of Spartan Stadium as the ref was coming out to announce it being dead, silent, quiet. And then just sort of this uh, this uh, eruption from everyone in the crowd at the same time. Obviously, put Michigan State in the driver's seat uh, for the Big Ten Championship, which they ultimately lost. But it was a huge win at the time. Uh, I guess they, you know, ultimately it's just a regular season game, but just the way it ended in the environment and being there, uh, I think it's a very memorable game for Michigan State fans. All right, so I'm up again, right? Yep. Yeah, too. Right. Yes. 
You got two in a row. All right. Um, I'm going to go with this past year's game, uh, Michigan State beating Michigan 37-33, because I don't I think that was the best game I ever covered. Um, it was, I don't know, there was something also about it. You know, it's obviously that when those two teams play, it's, it's fun and the environment's just different. But I think, come, you know, coming off the COVID year, you know, where there's no fans and everything was just kind of blah to – you got game day and and uh, it's a big noon uh, setup and it was East Lansing was just crazy. It was so so packed and great crowd and great game between two unbeaten top ten teams going in and Kenneth Walker put on a hell of a display and helped them back from a you know what was it sixteen point deficit in the second half and uh, you know big uh, you know the biggest win for for in Mel Tucker's uh, early career so far. So I thought that was a hell of a game. Yeah, I had it next on my list too. And I was trying really hard to like convince myself like, oh, you know, I'm just being a prisoner of the moment. It just happened. But like when I really try to look at it objectively, like I really think it belongs where you just drafted it, even though yeah, it I happened agree. and it's fresh in our memory. I mean, I can't, there's only like one, a few times when I remember Spartan Stadium being that consistently hyped for the entire game. And it was right from the jump and lasted the entire time. Obviously, Kenneth Walker in the middle of a Heisman race puts up a Heisman worthy uh, performance. The way Michigan State, like we talked about on the pod after that, just made a play literally every single time they had had to make a play where you could point out like 10 instances in that game where if they don't make it happen, the game's probably over. Obviously they got some help from Michigan at certain key points in that game, but I agree. I had that high up on my list. One of the best games I've ever been to in person um, and super memorable game that had the eyes of the world on it and it lived up to the hype. So I think that's a really worthy pick. All right. And one more for me. So I'm going to go back to 2015 and the the big 10 championship against Iowa. Go with them <laughs> after Pete going. 17-14 was the score of the first game I picked. So 16-13 is going to be number three because, you know, no, I do. I like the high scoring games and all that. But, I mean, there's something about that game that was just, you know, again, a D'Antonio game. It was the last drive more than anything. Just, you know, I mean, what were the stats when they had? Was it 21 or 22 plays or something? I wrote it so many times. 22 I think I plays. Like 18 of them were 12, runs or something like that. Drive. Yeah, it just <laughs> – yeah, I don't know. It was just that was just a, you know another you know quintessential D'Antonio type of moment where you're just going to run the ball and, and take as much time off the clock as you can, and, and then the career highlight for uh, for L.J. Scott on a play that every time I you know it comes back up and you see it, you're like, it's what a couple of inches away from that helmet hitting the ball and it being a fumble and and everything goes a different way. But um, you know that was their last Big Ten championship and uh, a memorable one at that. I swear LJ Scott was reaching over that line for like five minutes <laughs> that it's like in slow motion where even Gus Johnson on the call thinks he got stopped. He didn't make it. And he's like, yes, he did. And that was true freshman LJ Scott, right? When he did that. I mean, that was, yep. that was a huge play for him. Obviously a highly touted uh, running back prospect, but uh, yeah, I mean that game, you know, not, not the greatest game to watch throughout the entirety, but that last drive, just Epic an all timer, winning a title, sending them to the playoff, uh, absolutely worthy of a spot. So uh, let's see, back to me, right? Um, I'm going to go with, there's, again, more options here that we could go with. Um, I'm going to take another bowl game. I'm going to go with the, the uh, was it the 2015 Cotton Bowl Classic down in Dallas. Uh, Michigan State scores three fourth-quarter touchdowns. This game is on all the time on Big Ten Network, guys, and I'm, like, watching it. And no matter how many times I watch it, 
when it gets into that fourth quarter or like three minutes left in the third quarter and they're trailing by like 24 points, I'm still like looking at this and like, how, how did Michigan state come back and win this? And again, this was quintessential D'Antonio, like just, you know, heart in your throat, like just craziness all the time. Everyone remembers obviously Tony Lippett lighting up the kicker <laughs> and uh, uh, as, as part of the block. And I think they got an outside kick and just, you know, the improbable last second touchdown to Mumphrey. Uh, just an absolutely wild game that I still have no idea how they won. And to back up the Rose Bowl from the year before, I thought this was an important win for Michigan State as I, a program. I, I think, I mean, the games like Michigan have a bigger environment. I mean, it's a bowl game. But as far as like if you strip everything away and just say, what is the best overall football game that I've ever witnessed in person? I think that's it. And it was next on my list. Um, I, I was about to steal it because, yeah, I mean, uh, they're down. I mean, I think 20 in the fourth quarter, you know, you think they're dead. They block the field goal. They get the late touchdown. I mean, it was just like, I, that's the most like heart stopping game I've ever watched in person. Yeah. I remember, you know, my, my memory was the game was over and I was, you know, mm-hmm. you're sitting around just watching bowl games. I'm like, Oh, you know, maybe I'll turn the channel and you just leave it on. And next thing you know, <laughs> That was the game where people started kind of believing that Michigan State maybe had some staying power as a program because they'd obviously, you know, Michigan State's had these seasons where they pop up and, you know, have a run and and they do well, but then they just kind of disappear and they're back to, you know, barely making a bowl. But this to pile on like these impressive double digit win seasons in a row is when people really started buying Mark D'Antonio and the Spartans as a legitimate threat in the Big Ten. Um, we obviously saw that for a few years uh, later down the road. So I thought it was an important program win to to beat like a, another high profile team. And I think it gave them what their third bull win in a row over a high profile program. So I thought it was a big one that way, but Kyle, you're on the clock for two more. Uh, before I pick nine, I just like to point out that four of our top eight games took place in the calendar year, 2015. Insane. I mentioned this when we were putting this together, like like the calendar year 15 was just like nonstop, like see to your pants stuff for, um, for Michigan state football. Um, but I'm going to dial it back. I, I feel like I'm the guy that, that that keeps trying to make sure we don't forget about the 90s here. But um, I like it. <laughs> ni- 1998, uh, Michigan State goes to Ohio State. Uh, kind of similar theme from my old one. Um, at number one, uh, goes down, um, you know, multiple touchdowns and scores 19 straight unanswered points, uh, has five takeaways and beats number one Ohio State on the road. Um and, and and this is in November, like Ohio State was cruising towards a national title and Michigan State. I, I know it's not Michigan, but it's still, a, you know, a game that matters a lot to them. Um, win it. Exciting end. Ronaldo Hill gets a, an interception late to seal the game. And um, yeah, I mean, a big win in the Nick Saban era and go on the road, beat Ohio State um, like that. Uh, number one, unbeaten Ohio State. It uh, doesn't get much bigger than that in the Big Ten. Also known as the Julian Peterson game who yeah. I think that was when he broke through and went on, he would go on to win all American stuff. But I think he, uh, uh, a sack caused two fumbles, nine tackles. I think Ohio state had five turnovers in that game. Uh, you know, th- this was a vintage Ohio state team too. I mean, mm-hmm. Joe Germain, obviously not an all time QB, but <laughs> in college football circles though, I mean, this team was loaded. I mean, they would, they thought wasn't David Boston on that team. I mean, they had a lot of good players fast track to the national title. Michigan state was what, I mean, this is, they weren't anything special that year coming and win. And uh, I remember, I remember seeing the highlights of that one, that, that Ronaldo Hill interception in the end zone is iconic. And just see on seeing all those sad Buckeyes, man, whenever you can go to the horseshoe <laughs> and, and see all the sad Buckeyes, that's uh, 
you know, that you can't replace that. So I think that's a good pick. Kyle. I had it on my list coming up. So I think I've covered four or five games at Ohio State, and I have not seen the sad Buckeyes there uh, yet. So oh. uh, it's not not an experience I, I'm familiar with. Someday, Matt. Someday. <laughs> uh, okay, and next pick going uh, different direction. Um, 2010, Michigan State 34, Notre Dame 31. Um, not the biggest game in terms of like hype and build up, not the biggest game in terms of, um, you know, implications or whatnot, but the ballsiest call, um, <laughs> maybe ever made by a Michigan State football coach. And, you know, one of the most iconic plays, obviously, Mark D'Antonio, um, calls the fake field goal. Um, you know, they, um, you know, the pass for the touchdown, um, playing for the win instead of the tie. Um, shocking Notre Dame at home like that. Um, just, just an all time great moment. Um, and, and like, I mean, that was so vintage D'Antonio too, you know, for his, um, for his kind of button down and run the ball and play defense as he could be, he'd pull stuff like that out and surprise everybody at, at the perfect moment. And that was just such quintessential D'Antonio and really kind of, you know, at the beginning, you know, kind of helped get everything going. So I know, a a memorable moment for a lot of Michigan state fans that I think had to get on this list here. Uh, are we the, so for the real quick before the last time Michigan State and Notre Dame played in uh, 2017, that play came up, um, and we got a funny anecdote from Mark State and the offensive line coach at the time, if I remember that right. Um, he just recalled, you know, D'Antonio making the call and, and you know, asks if it's going to work. <laughs> and of course, you know, he says, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, coach, it's going to work, but yeah, just you know, funny thing when, when you know, the not everybody, it's not like everybody on the sidelines, not like even all the coaches know it's going to work. So the the surprise of the uh, the moment and like Kyle said, such a ballsy play call uh, even caught, you know, their own team by surprise. Aaron Bates to Charlie Gant, known affectionately as Little Giants these days. But uh, yeah, that was kind of like Mark D'Antonio, you know, had been on the job for a few years at that point, but that was a high profile Saturday night game. Uh, Brad Nessler on the call. Um, you know, calling it the gutsiest call you're going to see all year. That was sort of like, uh, like you said, Kyle, the the welcoming party of Mark D'Antonio when the world got to see what kind of balls Mark D'Antonio had. And uh, really that Michigan State maybe would, would be able to start building something there. That sort of kicked it all off. And obviously uh, a great win to, to beat your rival. And just on a side note, I really miss the annual Michigan State Notre Dame games. I'm I'm constantly on the fence. I mean, it's nice to play these different teams, you know, had Miami got Washington this year. It, that's nice, but you know, it's just such a great rivalry and they're just playing stupid ACC teams instead of playing Michigan and Michigan state <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. So that's just a side note, but uh, let's keep pressing on. Let's see. You took Iowa. Let's see. I mean, there's, there's more games we could go on here. Um, what do I want? What do I want guys? Uh all right, I'm going to take – I'm going to go with another bowl game. Just – I don't know. I guess it's a theme with mine. I go to bowl games a lot. I, I know people are, like, down on bowl games these days. They don't think they matter or glorified expositions, whatever. I, I think they're huge for recruiting. I think they're big for program perception. I think they're big, especially a program like Michigan State that's trying to ascend. And this was the first win in a bowl game. I had gone to the first three. They had lost all three. None of them were particularly close. But to win the Outback Bowl uh, over Georgia – what was this? Uh, I mean, this this game was wild. Uh, this is three overtimes. Michigan State wins on a blocked extra point. Um, you know, I think this game kind of gets forget- forgotten because it's not a, you know, traditional BCS or New Year's Six Bowl. But the Outback Bowl is, is a pretty solid um, second tier bowl. 
This gave Michigan State their 11th win of the year. Like I said, their first win in a bowl game under D'Antonio. They were down 17-0. I remember being so mad at halftime. Like, here we go, fourth bowl game in a row. I'm sick of doing all this traveling and then losing. Uh, They come back with a storm. Uh, They missed a field goal in overtime, but then Georgia missed the field goal. Um, And to get that win over a marquee SEC program, again, sort of tracking the ascension of Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. And I think it's a game that sort of goes overlooked sometimes, but was big for the program. Yeah, my memories of that are a little fuzzy, so (laughs) I'll just shut up and let you talk. (laughs) That's fine. We can move on. I mean, it's just a big game, I think. But uh, And it was a fun one to be at, I tell you what. Uh, The Spartan fans were going wild down there for that one. So Yeah, it's it's amazing how long it's been since they've been at a bowl game in Florida. You know, you feel like it's every other year you end up in Florida for a little bit of time, and now it's been a while. And that was... Um, oh, that was Aaron Murray. It was the first time they played Georgia where it was Stafford's final game. And then he got drafted by the Lions, which I always thought was kind of a unique bit of, uh, mm-hmm. of fate there. But uh, let's see, Matt, you're back on the clock for your last two picks. All right. So I will go with the 2013 Big Ten Championship game. Michigan State beats Ohio State. Just kind of, you know, that was a good game. What was Ohio State was what, number two or whatever it was. Um, allowed Michigan State to get to that Rose Bowl that you already took uh, real early. And, um, yeah, just I thought it was a good game, you know, two good teams. And, and what was it, the late stop they got and then the, the score, scoring stop or stopping the score. I can't even remember the order that went. But, um, yeah, obviously a big-time win. And beating Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game is, is always uh, something memorable for anybody or any team because uh, it just doesn't happen very often. I was, I was kind of like, like that was when Urban was like totally rolling. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. like how many games in a row he had won. Like he looked like there's nobody in the Big Ten was ever going to beat him at that point. So that was mm-hmm. that, that's what I remember. It's like somebody beat Urban and D'Antonio did it, and then he went on to do it again. Yep. Yeah, and that was that was um, I believe Denico Salen had that stop where he like strung their running back out, and then the net was that it, or and then. Uh, <laughs> And then, you know, Langford had that run yeah, uh, at the end, yeah. the closer per usual, which he, he yeah. seemed to do that every single game that season where Michigan State would be in like a grinding game. And the second they needed like a big touchdown, Jeremy Langford would pop one. Uh, yep. So I, I always called him the closer because of that. And he's a super underrated running back in Michigan State history, I think, because he didn't have a great pro career uh, after having some expectations. But man, that guy, I mean, if we look back to these games, Jeremy Langford was a central player in a lot of them. Uh, well, so I think he's kind of underrated. The number of Kenneth Walker is what has stopped me from using Jeremy Langford in about a hundred stories a year. Every time when Michigan State's running game was terrible and haven't had a thousand yard rusher since Jeremy Langford, and, you know, that, that line got used plenty and uh, now it has to be retired. But uh, yeah, he, he was a great player. It had put some pretty good linemen in front of him too. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, last pick. Don't blow right. it. I don't just because, and I'm the, I can guarantee I'm the oldest person among the three of us. Um, and I picked nothing but really recent, more recent games. So I'll go back to, uh, let's see, what year is that? Uh, 90 or I'm trying to forget. Oh, 95, 99, excuse me. So Michigan State beat Michigan at home in, in a pretty memorable game. Uh, that was the uh, Bill Burke thrown for more than 400, Plaxico Burris going insane. Um, and, you know, these were, Big 10 unbeaten teams and, and, you know, just kind of a similar, I, I don't know, not that the game played out the same way, but, you know, kind of a similar hype as there was to the game last year being in East Lansing um, and, you know, a good game. And there, <laughs> there was a quarterback on the other team. Uh, what was his name? Oh yeah. Tom <laughs> Brady. Yeah. 
who couldn't even get playing, couldn't even play the whole game at the time because he was splitting snaps with Drew Henson. And, and when he was playing, Brady, if I remember right, was played pretty well. And and but you know they forced a split. And you know, like I said, Burke and Burris were were a great combination. And uh, you know, just a big big game, big win. Yeah, I was I had this on my list, and I was going to bring up the ridiculous break because look back, Brady played the first quarter and the fourth quarter. And they gave Drew Henson the second and the third. And Brady was lights out. And they, they were down. Michigan State was up pretty big at the end of the third. And then Brady just comes in, lights out, and almost led him all the way back. And it's like, well, if they would have played the right quarterback the whole time, we probably, probably wouldn't be talking about this game. But yeah. uh, so not, take nothing away from Michigan State. But I think Lloyd might have helped him out a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> what year was that, Matt? 99. I was actually at that game. Interesting. Yeah, I Again, a little bit before I was like fully like invested, involved all the time. I was back in my travel hockey playing days. So I was probably, you know, off in some tournament in some random city and missed it. But I mean, it, you could have an entire list of Michigan, Michigan State games. I'm going to go to another one with my last pick. Uh, the the clock gate, smoker to duck it. I feel like it's got to be on the list. Spartan uh, Bob. My, yeah, I mean, Spartan Bob. I mean, the Michigan fans still aren't over this. You know, the five second, one second uh, smoker finds Duggett after just rocking around. And uh, I think it was Musburger on the call. Duck it, duck it, duck it. And like for some reason, like the AstroTurf of Spartan Stadium is just burned into my brain uh, from that game. Like whoever thought that AstroTurf was a good idea um, really should have rethought that. <laughs> Let's just mm-hmm. say that. And thank God Spartan Stadium has gone back to grass. But obviously still controversial. Uh, one of the biggest, you know, uh, plays in the rivalry's history. Um, so I, I feel like it's worthy of a spot on the list. Just be, if for nothing else, because of how notorious it is. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously a memorable one. Um, sides will remember it for opposite reasons. Of course, Michigan State winning and Michigan fans feeling like they got hosed by the guy running the clock. And that led to a change from the big 10, right? Isn't that what they instituted yeah. a neutral per party to, to run the clock. So if nothing else, it was a uh, a groundbreaking game. I'm, I'm not coming mm-hmm. up with the right word here, but instrumental in change. All right, Kyle, last pick of the okay. draft, and then we can kind um, of throw out some honorable mentions. Uh, for the yeah, I have one more that didn't make it, but I th- this is kind of a fitting last pick because I feel like it has to be on the list, but it should not have been a pie. Uh, yeah, you're not in like you know where I'm going. Uh, 2006, uh, bad Michigan State team last year of John L. But <laughs> They go to Northwestern, <laughs> go down um, 38 to three and score 38 straight points and win. Uh, still, I believe, as I Googled the other day, the largest comeback in college football history, at least um, Division One history. Um, so not much more to say. They they came back by 38 points um, and won a football game. So to me, that's that's got to make the list. It, it didn't matter, you know, two bad teams playing a whatever game, but it's got to make the list for that at least. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> John L. Smith getting a shout out. It's well deserved. Sure. <laughs> Why the hell not? That was, I mean, you come back from a deficit like that. Yeah. Hey, John L. Smith never had problems scoring points, man. It was the other side of the ball. Like Michigan <laughs> yeah. State turned into Texas Tech for a few years there. Uh, and Drew Stanton, I remember, just had a massive game leading them back. He was a, it, people, I feel like people don't talk about Drew Stanton enough. I had a great quarterback and a very nice guy. I will say that. Yeah, and of course had a Lions career and actually had a surprisingly long NFL career, yeah. similar to Brian Hoyer, who is somehow mm-hmm. still in the NFL, which is wild. But yeah, I'm glad you said that, Kyle, because, you know, like we've got a lot of, you know, rivalries here, bowl games, um, but, you know, that comeback against Northwestern, it's it's notable for for the for that, 
for the comeback. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it made the list. I mean, I was looking at, I have some other ones on my list here. I was looking at, you know, the, the negative 49 yards rushing game uh, against yeah. against Michigan. I mean, Spartan Stadium, absolutely lit. Uh, just that they had no answer for that Michigan State defense. Um, I had uh, a couple Penn State games. I had this year's game in the snow globe just because it was, you know, obviously stakes at the end of the season. Uh, not huge, but just a memorable game for the snow. And also the Felton Davis game in Happy Valley uh, when Michigan State pulled out a couple trick plays pulling out all the stops that year, winning in whiteout conditions uh, at uh, at Beaver Stadium. I think that was a huge program win for Michigan State as they were re- coming on their rebound year up the three and nine season. Um, and then the 2000 Citrus Bowl, when Paul Edinger uh, kicks, a, kicks a field goal to beat Florida in the Citrus Bowl, I think uh, was worthy. And 1988 Rose Bowl, uh, we yeah, did not make the cut, probably should have. Um, I wasn't, I didn't get really to watch the game. My favorite play from just seeing highlights is like the jump pass on the sideline. That's an incredible play. And the last one I had here was uh, Michigan state, Wisconsin from 2004 when Wisconsin was fourth in the country and Michigan state just crushed them 49, 14. So uh, those were a couple honorable mentions that I had. I don't know if you guys had any others. I put together. Uh, well, go ahead, Kyle. I just had one more, uh, the, the 95 Michigan, Michigan state game, you know, I, I'm okay with that not being left off, but it's Nick Saban's first year. They had lost three straight in the rivalry, uh, and they go beat a top 10 Michigan team, uh, uh, go ahead. Touchdown with one fourteen left owned by Tony Banks. So pretty exciting game, you know, big stakes, Nick Saban's first year. So thought that worth mentioning. Yeah. I was just going to say, I quickly break down. I did a, so top five since I've been on the beat. One would be um, obviously the game I mentioned earlier, last year's Michigan State Michigan game. And then just not really in any particular order, but uh, you just mentioned the Penn State, uh, the Felton Davis game, because that was a game Michigan State had absolutely zero business winning. They should have lost that game. And every time you're like, what the hell is going on here? How are they still in it? And you look up and they get the, you know, they had, remember those, the, uh, the fake field goal attempt to uh, Raekwon Williams. And you're like, well, he rolled the dice. And the next thing you know, they got the ball back and, you know, Felton Davis. And and then that was the it for the season because then Brian uh, Lewerke hurt his shoulder somehow. Um, Michigan State, Michigan at in Ann Arbor in 2017, that monsoon that, you know, Michigan decided to throw the ball around for whatever reason. Um, but entertaining. Yeah, when game. you have John O'Corn, you have to use him. Yeah. All I know is Kyle and I were both. <laughs> We were both in that press box and both thankful as hell that there was no lightning associated with that rain because we would have never got the hell out of here. Um, uh, Michigan State, Penn State in 2017, the three and a half hour rain delay, which was absolutely oh, yeah. ridiculous. Kyle even got to go home for a little while. It was so it was so long <laughs> and rightfully so. Um, yeah, it just be like, like the forecast like, oh, we're going to start here. I ran to the store to get a sandwich and, you know, there's nobody around. You know, there's no worry about parking. And, you know, I go to the uh, fresh time and then I see a tweet that they're starting in 10 minutes. So hustle back. And uh, <laughs> I know the point of this because people listening to this are Michigan State fans. So it's to do games they won. But uh, 2017 at Northwestern when uh, Michigan State lost in triple overtime was was a notable game because um, it was low scoring. And they, and they got, I think, a great touchdown catch from Felton Davis to send it to overtime. And then it was just then all of a sudden it ends up being this, what, 39-31. Um, and then I think that was also after the game when somebody left their phone at the podium in the broom closet of the visiting – the broom closet <laughs> that is the visiting media room at Ryan Field. 
and it was playing a song which I had never heard of, but it was apparently the rock animated movie. Was it Moana? Am I, am I right about that? Because, Moana, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Champions kind of watch that movie about a hundred times the next five. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> but uh, so D'Antonio's pissed, you know, they just lost. And then this comes on and it happened. It came on like multiple times. So it ends up being this deal. And then like the next week we have Mark D'Antonio and The Rock like tweeting at each other. And it's like, wait, what the hell just happened here? Like who put together Mark D'Antonio and The Rock? That's just, didn't see that coming. So anyways, that's just the top five I could think of um, from since I've been on the beat in 2017. You also had, if you're talking about games they lost, you've got the Braylon Edwards game uh, against yeah. the triple overtime against Michigan State. And then a couple other win, you know, Larry Caper in overtime against Michigan, the Jason T game in East Lansing with the flag, or uh, in South Bend with the flag planting. And Michigan State, Oregon in 2015 was one of the most hype I've had, times I've ever seen Spartan Stadium. I think that was one of the first times they busted out stripe the stadium. But Kyle, you were at that game. That was an incredible. I, 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 I was going to say that should have been an honorable mention because they won. Wasn't like some classic game, but environment wise was fantastic. Yeah. All right. So to run it down now, before we get out of here, uh, Matt has the 2015 Michigan State at Ohio State. That'll be the Michael Geiger field goal. Uh, this year's past game, the Kenneth Walker game, 2015 Big Ten Championship versus Iowa, 2013 Big Ten Championship versus Ohio State, and Michigan versus Michigan State in 1999. I took the Ranford, the uh, Rocket, Hail Mary versus Wisconsin, Cotton Bowl Classic versus Baylor, the Outback Bowl, triple overtime win versus Georgia, and Smoker to Duckett in 2001. Kyle has trouble with the snap. 1990 Michigan State over number one Michigan, 1998 Michigan State over number one Ohio State, Little Giants versus Notre Dame, and the 2016 record comeback, 2006 record comeback against Northwestern. We got John John L. Smith in there, so uh, congrats, guys. We got them all in there. I like my uh, I like squad. It. Put yeah, them up against like anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I was thinking about throwing a poll out there to see who had the best <laughs> team, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think we've all took some big choices here. There's probably some games we forgot about. Let us know uh, maybe what your favorite games were, guys, or if you want to send us your list, happy to take a look at them. Uh, I'd be curious, but there one thing is for sure. The D'Antonio era was nuts. Yeah, I, so, I had one one Tucker team, three D'Antonio teams, and a Saban team, so – there you go. Spread them all out. Uh, so that's going to do it for today's episode of Spartan Confidential. Appreciate everyone for listening. Again, if you could please like, rate, and review the podcast, check out our work at mlive.com slash Spartans and hit us up with your list or your favorite games. Again, just something fun we thought we could do here as we are in peak off season. But eventually we'll start to turn our heads towards uh, the season, do some position group previews and whatnot, and we'll obviously stay on top of the recruiting. So, again, appreciate everyone for listening. For Matt Wenzel and Kyle Austin, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green!